Hey dreamers, today I'm talking with Shane Whaley, who is making his dreams come true by sharing the message of how he changed his life for good. And then not just for good, but like he's I don't know, I don't think you've taken it to the extreme yet. Are we going to the extreme? How do you define extreme, Joe? <laughs> well, uh no, I I know I I think that you you're a few steps away from extreme personally, but uh like you work do you work out every day now? Uh, not every day. Okay, uh, all right, so that's, that's, that's I, good. I it's important to have a rest day. <laughs> Shane, it's day. it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. I know we've, we've been speaking for quite some time. I, I listen to your show. I think it's important to dream. Um, and I'm delighted to be here. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I, I'm uh, super excited to have you on. Uh, it's kind of a shame that I didn't get you on sooner. Uh, but here we are, and it's actually a really important time for you because you're in now here in 2016. This is early 2016 when we're recording, but by the time this gets out, you should be well in full swing for second quarter 2016 of uh, making your dreams of, you know, making money out of your flagship juicing radio and hopefully getting the heck out of the city. Yeah, you know, Joe, this is the thing. I've always believed this in my in my corporate world and my corporate life and, and now with, you know, the podcasting. You know, my motto has always been, you know, do some good, make money, have some fun. And I think if you can hit on all those three things, you know, you're doing something right in the world. Because there's a lot of people out there that don't like the fact that people who podcast or have online businesses have a business and they think a lot of the content should be free. Um, and what they don't realize is, you know, and you know this as a podcaster that, you know, there's a lot of, yes, you can do a podcast on the cheap. We, you and I could be doing this via iPhones now. The sound would be rubbish. We wouldn't have great microphones and, and great audio clarity for people. You know, there's a lot of money that goes into producing a podcast. So, you know, we need to get that money back and some. Um, but then there's the other side, which is, you know, someone can listen to your show. You could, could be out walking the dog right now, Joe, listening to us or one of your past guests. You, they have an idea, they have a dream, they've never had confidence in themselves to do it. They hear someone else's story and just think, you know, wow, I, I want to do that. I can do this. Um, I remember listening to one of your past guests, uh, Kimanzi. And he was, I believe he was on Pat Flynn's show. He's and been on every show. <laughs> <laughs> and he was talking about how he got writing for some of, you know, Huffington Post and whatever else. And, you know, I have, you know, I'm podcasting at, at Juicing Radio. I had a blog for many years on Juicing, which chronicled my weight loss and my, you know, how I changed my life for good. But I'd never been featured in any of these, you know, larger websites. And I listened to that interview with Kimanzi and I was out walking the dog. I got home and I shut the door on the world. I wrote an article and I just sent it off to Mind Body Green. And I didn't expect to hear back. Within a week later, Mind Body Green wrote back, "Hey, we love your writing. We'd love to have more." And I'm featured on Mind Body Green. Now, I, that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't out walking the dog, listening to that particular, you know, episode of Pat Flynn. And that's the other thing. And you know, I'm very passionate about is you know, we can sit and we over a beer or a green juice or a latte, whatever it may be, and have all the ideas in the world. But we have to act on some of these ideas because I have this real fear that I'm going to be an old man. Uh, in, in a nursing home, maybe, and think, oh, I should have done that idea. I should have done that podcast. I should have done that business. You know, it, it's never going to be, and I'm jumping ahead a few steps here, but it's never going to be perfect when you put it out. And I know, uh, I think Reed Hastings um, said this. I think it was, um, was it Netflix? No, actually, I'll have to check my sources. I think it might actually be the guy at LinkedIn who said something that, you know, if the first product you put out looks amazing, then you waited too long. <laughs> because, you know, we're never going to, you know, you don't want to wait until the thing is perfect. Yes, it needs to look good and do what it says. But ultimately, if you're waiting for perfection, your likelihood is you're not going to put anything out. Yeah, I mean, because perfection does take time and it takes a lot of reiterations and versions. And uh, even if you don't put those versions out, they still have to happen in order for perfection to uh, occur. You know, it, it, didn't, it doesn't necessarily or usually happen on the first go around. Um, so, I mean, sometimes it I guess it really depends on the complexity of the problem that you're trying to solve. You know, the more complex of an issue, the more complex of a solution you may need, unless it's a super, 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 super simple that I was trying to get to simple, but I couldn't get it out. Uh, super simple, 
uh, solution for such a problem. But a lot of times it, it takes a lot of revisions and even the simplest ones can take, you know, time to like work out the little bugs. It's like, well, this solves the problem, but the after effects is this. Well, how do we get it to not be, you know, this, we need to get it to be nothing. So it just solves the problem. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, it goes back to when I got into podcasting. So I'd had a blog for, you know, quite a few years, which was doing okay. But as most of us know, with blogging, you know, it's very tough. It's very competitive to get noticed to get, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of views. And I was literally in the bath, I'd gone for my Saturday run, and I'd come back and I get in the bath. And there was there was only one podcast at the time I was listening to um, by Investors Business Daily, which is a financial newspaper. And they put a podcast out every Saturday. And I'm in the tub and I'm listening to this. And I think to myself, wow, these guys are giving me this information for free. And they're not stock pickers. They're not saying, hey, go out and buy Disney or anything like that. They are actually just talking about how you evaluate a stock. You know, really good education. And I just thought, wow, this is really cool. I get this for free. Um, and then it dawned on me that, you know, no one is doing it for juicing. And I went on, I know I dried off, jumped on iTunes, couldn't find any current juicing podcasts. I'd seen a few which had obviously suffered from pod fade very early on with about four or five episodes and not carried on. That worried me a little bit, but I researched further and thought, well, no one else is doing this. Let's let's get um, some education on podcasting. Because at that time, you know, I even struggled to know how to play a podcast, let alone how to produce one. So I really was very green in this world. Um, but I went and I, I did Cliff Ravenscraft's, uh, Cliff Ravenscraft podcast answer man's course. And I didn't wait. And that was the thing. Quite a few people on these courses, I, I've noticed they, they wait 12 months to get the show out, going back to this perfection thing. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to get this out there because I need to improve as a podcaster. And you can read all the books in the world or do the courses until you get out there and do something and put yourself under, you know, constant, consistent evaluation you know, you're not going to develop. And, you know, to be honest with you, if you asked me to go back and listen to episode ones to 10 now of Juicing Radio, you know, I'd blush because I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, it's awful. And I could probably hear my nerves and everything else. But the listener doesn't necessarily hear that. And I think sometimes we do get a bit too self-aware about it. As long as the quality is good, the sound quality, and as long as the content is good in terms of quality. Um, and it's something that people, as we just talked about off off air, I always ask myself when I listen to a podcast, particularly new ones, was I educated or was I entertained? And if I can't answer yes to those questions, it's you know very unlikely I'm going to give that show another go again. Um, whereas if I did learn something or something made me laugh, think yeah, I'll give those guys another go because you know we don't have time to listen to hundreds of podcasts every day. We have to be selective in what we listen to, um, and I think that's the important thing. So, but if I if I'd waited and waited and waited, I, I doubt very much if I'd have launched the podcast in the end. I probably would have had so many self doubts. Compared myself to so many great podcasters like your good self, Joe, and I'd probably think I can't be. I'm never going to be in Joe's league. I'm not going to get this thing out. You know, I'm going to embarrass myself here. Um, but that, that, that I think is very key. It, whatever your dream is, we're talking about podcasting here. It could be you want to run a 5k, you want to run your own business or whatever it may be. You know, you may want that promotion, you know, it's putting things into play now and taking action rather than just dreaming about it. You know, Shane, first off, no, 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 no. You see, you got this backwards. See, I, now I, I've known Shane, uh, it, it's, it's not been a year yet, but, but, uh, or ha, well, maybe it has been a year. Or coming up on a, I think it's coming up on a year, and you know I don't think any of that of you, right? Like when I when I think of Shane, I I think of somebody who is confident, that's that that has a very clear goal, and and isn't just sitting around like, oh no, what am I gonna do? Like that to have the self doubts, like I don't see that in you at all. No, and and I'm pleased to hear that because when I started out, um, I decided I wasn't going to have those self-doubts and I was just going to jump in the deep end, get a show out. Cliff Ravenscraft, in fairness, was very, very strong about whatever you put out, make sure the audio quality is good because people will not muddle through um, you know, a poor audio, uh, unless, you know, you're interviewing an absolute legend, you know, um, then maybe people will struggle through it. But generally, you know, your content has to be, uh, your audio quality has to be good. So that was something that I was very focused on starting out. Um, and it was a case of, I would get my show out. And what I would do is I would listen to tons and tons of podcasts and so not necessarily in health and wellness. They could be entrepreneurial, could be sports, could be finance, politics, 
And I wasn't listening to the content so much. I was listening to two things. First of all, what questions were being asked? And secondly, how well did the podcaster listen to those questions and carry on a conversation? Because there are a lot of podcasts out there that they have the scripted questions and they stick to those questions and, and they don't deviate. They don't go off. And I, what I love on Juicing Radio is sometimes I'll go off in a direction that I had no intention of because someone's given me an answer, which is fascinating. And I'm like, wow, my listeners will, will be really upset if I don't push this person, person more on this point and find out more about what they're saying. Well, I, th I think a lot of times it's it's tough, um, and I think I'll, well, I know in the beginning I I leaned heavily on my questions, and and I've whittled my questions down over over the course of the year and a half that I've been doing this, and now I mean you've already answered like the first two questions, <laughs> the first two questions, and we I didn't even ask them, so that that but that works because this is this is a conversation. What I am what I want you to talk about though is how you pivoted after I think it was like episode ten. Mm -hmm. of your show because you didn't start out with the whole interview thing you started out in a different direction you're absolutely correct and i remember mapping out what i thought was going to be um you know the the format of the show and i remember even saying to some some friends look you know i'll, I'll get seven shows out i'll review the downloads if the downloads aren't great or you know if i'm if i'm running out of contact because my, my fear was listen you know i lost 80 pounds through basically juicing fruits and veggies and running and cleaner eating, but principally through juicing. And I'm like, well, how much content is there? You know, it's much, e at the time, I thought, well, it's easier to do this as a YouTube channel because people can watch you and, you know, you make your smoothies, right? Joe, I can say, hey, you know, I made this smoothie recipe. This is really good for recovery after a marathon. Put the beet in, put that in, you know, this spirulina. Very easy to show that on a YouTube channel. But I feel cooking doesn't necessarily work as a, as a podcast medium unless you're an extremely famous chef. So I was worried I'd get to episode seven and then be out of stuff to talk about. But what I was noticing was I was getting a few people on who, I, who I'd known uh, who had lost a lot of weight through juicing. And just the downloads were really strong on those episodes to a point where I thought this doesn't need to be a traditional radio show where I'm coming on with, you know, my synopsis of what's happening in the health world that week and then a recipe and then a workout session, you know, and then the interview. And I segued into the whole show being about the person I'm interviewing. And that's something that... Um, I think is one if, if our show has been successful, and I like to think by the time this episode airs, we'll be you know not far off two hundred episodes out there. It's because we shine the light on people. Yes, I sprinkle the interviews with my own experience and my own tips and strategies, but I am all about wanting to get those strategies out of people that are coming on the show, so the listener can really get some takeaways from it. And I really like to think that that's why people continue to tune into the show. You know, we have, we have decent download numbers. We have some really good feedback what we're doing uh, and I think that's the reason why because a lot of people in health and wellness you know they position themselves as a guru and that that's all well and good but how long are you going to listen to a guru for you know every week unless you're someone like a Tony Robbins um, or you know if Roger Bannister ran the four minute mile for the first time was having a podcast maybe you tune into that every week but generally I feel that I want to share other people's stories and you do that so well on your podcast Joe you, you bring people on that have got dreams and achieving those dreams we're all fascinated by that we want to learn from these people we want to be inspired in our own lives well it goes back to being entertained or learning and and I think that it's important um to, to hopefully be entertaining and and it, you know it's sometimes it's tough with just audio because you can, you don't have that physical comedy that you can work into it, um, so a lot of it's the timing and, and and whether or not there's jokes and stuff like that. But I, I really tried to focus on giving as much getting as much value of like tips and and things and 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 the thing you know for me when it when I got started uh, there was uh, a very good friend of mine who's been on my show uh, Jeanette Pellegrini I know you've met her. Um, she's a photographer, doesn't know anything about DJing, but she really connected with, I think it was episode two or three with, uh, I think it was episode three, they, uh, David, um, who is a DJ and, and she found the parallels and we were sitting there walking through, uh, six flags, great adventure up in Jacksonville New or Jackson, Jackson, New Jersey. And she was telling me about this and I was like, Oh my God, like, this is this is exactly what I was looking to obtain was people that are willing to step outside the box of what their niche or industry is or their whatever they're into and learn from people that are doing it differently in a different niche in a different industry in a different service in a different world 
and and it is like boom like how did that like that i can't believe that that you know hit me so early on that it's like that's that's the value here um but I, I think it's important that, that people be able to, and willing to pivot. And I wonder, uh, going back to what you were saying earlier about how you found a couple of juicing podcasts, but they had faded out after, you know, four or five, six episodes or whatever. And I wonder if that's partly because the content of juicing is is tough to come up with as you found yourself and ended up pivoting just after, you know, 10 episodes. Yeah, and the thing is, if I had just started straight out with a podcast on juicing, maybe I would have been one of the pod faders. But the, the difference was I'd already had a fairly successful blog called Running on Juice. Uh, I was pretty well connected with people around the world like Joe Cross from the movie Fat, Sick and Needy Dead and others. So I knew there were success stories I could go to and bring on the show. So I'd been building up my network anyway. Whereas, you know, if I was to, to go in, into, into it, you know, from scratch, maybe I would have struggled because the other uh, juicing podcasts that were out there were very much monologues. And that you can only sustain that for so long, I feel, on a subject like juicing. Different if you're a news person and you have, you know, looking at the news through your own lens, you know, there's so much going on every day. Yes, you can sustain that. But in health and wellness, I think it's tricky to do that as a monologue. Um, so definitely pivot into that. And the other area that, you know, I really improved upon, particularly last year, was, you know, I'm very strong about particularly podcasters is building up an email list. I strongly feel that that is a great way to build up a relationship with your listeners um, or for people who don't have a lot of time to listen to podcasts, but they'll read a quick email from you. And last year, I made a decision to email every workday. And a lot of it's quite controversial. Not everybody is in, in favor of it. Uh, and there's a guy called Paul Mort um, that I think if you go to IamPaulMort.com, he's an English guy. I have to warn you, his language can be very explicit. He's not everyone's cup of tea. And he became my mentor in terms of copywriting because he sends a daily email every day. And at the first time, like this, you know, if I got a daily email from someone, I'm going to be a bit cheesed off and probably unsubscribe. But the opposite has actually happened. Um, so I get my open rates have stayed consistently around 20%, sometimes as high as 25%. Uh, click-through rates on links that I share on the email have strong. The uh, unsubscribe rate has not rocketed where I thought it would. And here's the really cool thing. When you talk about pivoting is now, let's say there was 200 emails I sent last year. If you looked at email one and then looked at email 200, naturally there is an improvement because if you do anything consistently, you know, you improve that skill set. And particularly copywriting, I, I think it's very hard to read a book and be an excellent copywriter. It's only when you put stuff out and you read it and you get feedback. And, you know, I'll look at an email and if it didn't have many opens, I say, oh, maybe the headline wasn't strong enough, the subject line. Or if one email got a lot of complaints, it was like, okay, did I use the word fat? And people got upset about that, whatever it may be. Um, and you learn. So that was also, so we have the podcast where I'm always learning, always improving on interview skills. But then also the, the, the daily email, the coaching email that we send out. And what that's done is been able to build a tribe of our listeners. And I know a lot of people use Facebook for that. And that's, that's, that's fine. I don't knock that. But for me, if someone's reading an email, it's almost like I have that one-to-one -one relationship with that person. And, you know, the key thing with email as well, Joe, for anyone who's thinking about, you know, sending out more emails is being, again, it's infotaining. It's, you know, giving information in an educational way. You know, maybe you've watched the new Star Wars movie and there is something that happened in there which, you know, is a really important lesson for us all. Uh, and you share that and then you put the lesson at the end of it. Or maybe, for instance, you know, this week I wrote an email about the show on, T on American TV. Um, my, it's called My Diet is Better Than Yours. I won't go into the whole premise of it, but, you know, I wrote, I riffed off what I saw in that show. So giving a bit of education, but in a lighthearted way, uh, I think is really important. And it's also, if, you, if you're trying to make revenue from your site to direct people towards products or services or, you know, people in your network, their stuff. Because as we know, a lot of us are listening to podcasts in the car, we're out running, out with the dog, you know, and, and I'm the worst, even as a, as a fellow podcaster, Joe, um, I, sometimes I get home, I've forgotten about that link. And I might have to hear that, you know, mentioned three or four times to actually remember, oh, I must go and check that guy's website or check out that book on Amazon. So I really feel that copywriting an email in an infotaining way um, is also a strong skill that podcasters or any, anybody with an online business should try and uh, perfect.
Well, I, I'm so glad that you talked about the the whole fact that you send an email every single day because that that is a lot of um, <laughs> that's a lot of effort and time and commitment to do that, and especially in the sense that no one else is getting this content ex unless they're in your email group, which is to i mean start when starting out is painful right it is because you don't have a huge you know you might have 5 10 15 20 people even 50 people on your list it, it's like man i got to do all this work write this email and only you know 20% or 30% of the people are going to see that that all that work and time that you put in so it's it's definitely can be tough, but I I would agree that the that the effort that you put in uh in in building the list and getting it bigger and using the time to get better at copywriting is super important. Which is funny because you, you it sounded like you were describing uh, a British version of Gary V. Uh, you know, except for copywriting instead of social media and and content creation. Yeah, he's actually um, Paul actually had Gary Vee on his show when when Gary Vee's last book came out, and that that was quite an interesting. He's an interesting guy, and he really converted me. It was him, and there's another copywriter called Ben Ben Settle, uh, BenSettle.com. He sends a daily email out. Again, he has a very sarcastic way of writing. It's not everyone's cup of tea, and that's also the important thing I feel with with emails is you have to be yourself. If that's you then be you. Because if people don't like it, then fine. They can unsubscribe and find someone that, you know, whose style suits them better. Don't try to be all things to all people because I think that's where you end up um, not being true to yourself and not being true to your listeners. And certainly in health and wellness, you know, I will sometimes share, look, guys, I had a really bad weekend. I had 10 pints of beer on Friday. I had a cheeseburger. I had fries. I had this. But this is what I did to, you know, the next day to get over it. I think, you know, it's certainly, and I'm talking about health and wellness, I see too many people that I call, um, see, I, I've stolen this word from Paul, but he's so right with it, a mush cookie guru. And that's someone who, you know, flashes their six-pack abs, running along the beach in Hawaii, driving a Ferrari, life's always good, they don't break a sweat. I tell you what, I've never met anyone like, other than you, Joe, I've never met anybody <laughs> like that, ever, because that doesn't exist. In the real world, we all have, you know, issues and problems and i think sharing those with your listeners people identify with your struggles and you become much more real even if you are in health and wellness and you haven't worked out for a week or you've put weight on or whatever it may be just be honest with people well you know i, I got a six-pack abs under the this pillow that you right here so uh <laughs> but i will say that that um while i haven't been juicing as much i have been doing the smoothie thing and i've really enjoyed i mean i have a smoothie almost every morning now it's good anybody that's following me on instagram or facebook or or twitter will see like and now it's not green yet but uh maybe by the time this one comes out i'll, I'll be moving on to some green smoothies uh, but, but you know what? I, I do feel a difference. I feel better. Uh, I, and I, I, I have a juicer. Um, the thing that my, my thing with the juicer is it seems to take me a lot longer to clean it up afterwards. It's, it, it's a lot of pieces versus like the smoothie. I just throw everything in. And then when it's done, I just rinse the cup out and we're, we're moving on to something else. Yeah, and I hate cleaning. So <laughs> that's the that's that's a common complaint, to be honest. And so we hear particularly from a lot of new juicers. And I think that's the key word new juicers, whereas when you've been juicing for a while, you kind of, you know, like I'll go in the kitchen, I'll make my juice, I'll put a podcast on or some music and, and just make it, you know, less of a chore. And then also when I compare, okay, if I'm going to make dinner, you know, just preparing it, cooking it, eating it, washing everything up takes a lot longer than making a juice. Well, I don't cook either, so. Well, <laughs> so bad. But I mean, fundamentally, <laughs> for people that want to juice, and you know, there is no self-cleaning juicer. Like a lot of the blenders now, you put some water in, there's a setting, and it will clean it for you. Great, but that's probably not going to happen in juicing. And if someone out there does have an idea for that, get in touch because I'd love to fund that because I think it would be an absolute killer, killer app in the kitchen, a killer gadget. But you know, ultimately, Joe, it's okay. Let's say you had weight to lose, or you had some, you know, your diabetes, whatever it was, and you, you know, thought juicing would would help you out with that. You would just, you know, put up with it and say, "Yeah, I have to clean this juicer," but the health benefits outweigh the fact I've got to be stood in the kitchen for ten minutes. And I think that is also something that people need to remember. Oh, I I would agree, uh, and and I, you know, again, I I I own a juicer. I I do enjoy. I think when. Um, when we have our first baby, which actually this episode might be going live around that time, 
Uh, I might be a little more when she gets a little bit older. I might be more interested in doing the juicing thing because I can make a picture for both me, her, and and Melissa at the same. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times it's just me, and it's like it's a lot. I mean, I know you're making juice mostly for yourself, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I, but to me, it's like I, I want to make it for. I, you know, I'm making a whole picture, and and you can't really save it very long. So you you, you know, it's like how much juice can I? can I consume all at once? Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, you're obviously going to be a great dad. If you're going to give your kid, you know, glasses of green juice, you know, your, your child is going to be a child prodigy either at sport or in academia, because having that amount of phytonutrients and, and minerals and goodness as a kid, I mean, fantastic. Um, but again, it just comes back to different ways of doing it. There, there, there are different juices. I don't know which one you have, or if, if you know the name of it. The Breville, it's the nine. It's the uh, nine hundred commercial one, nine hundred XL, I think. So the Breville is a centrifugal, and without getting too geeky about this kind of thing, so you're quite right that you know they they won't last that long. But there are cold press juices you can get where you can make them all on a Sunday, and they will last three or four days. So there's oh. There's ways around it. Oh, okay. The other thing you can do is let's say you, you do make your juices and you put them in individual bottles like water bottles. Just make sure you fill you know them up to the top and where you don't have enough juice, put water in up to the top because you know if there's no oxygen in the in the bottle that the vitamins and the nutrients will will stay active for a lot longer. So the, the vitamins, <laughs> the vitamins, <laughs> with your tomato juice. Yes, uh, all, all the tomato juice. Yes. Uh, but no, seriously, I mean, there are little hacks you can do. Um, Shane, I was curious, how did your family take you in this, this whole like entrepreneurial role? Like, is this, is this been a change for you as you've grown up? Um, not, not really, because I still have my day job. I'm still, I'm a director of sales in online travel. I've worked in the travel world now for well over 15 years. I've been in sales since I was 16 funded myself through school. So they know I've always had that ability to sell um, and to understand business. So it's, I think, should I ever go full time with this? Um, they, I expect they would have concerns because mums are always worried about, you know, enough money coming in and healthcare and everything else. Um, but, you know, I, in everything I've done in life, I, I've worked really hard. I've always made sure I've had some some cash tucked away for rainy day. And that's also so important for entrepreneurs that, you know, you can go, you know, six months and not worry about the rent not getting paid because you've got that rainy day fund. Um, and it's just being, you know, prudent about it, especially, you know, like Joe, you, you've got, you know, a baby on the way, you've, you know, your good lady wife and everything else. It's not like you can sit there and eat peanut butter sandwiches for a month because you're not making any money. You know, you've got responsibilities. So there's a big difference. I've just got two greyhounds. So, you know, that's, that's it. Got to make sure they heat though. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. They'll let me know otherwise for sure. <laughs> Shane, what's been the biggest roadblock you've hit along the way? I actually think it's I want to say monetizing the podcast, but to be honest with you, I think we all have that issue unless you're John Lee Dumas. <laughs> um, but I would say time management, especially when you work a day job. So you know, you, you work a full day job, you come home, especially if you have family duties, you know, you've got to spend time with your loved ones. That's really important. You don't want to be coming home from work and putting yourself in the spare room working on your podcast all night because you'll end up being, you know, divorced or your partner will leave you. Um, the kids won't know who you are. So there's that element because also, you know, with the podcast, certainly for myself, it's, you know, interviewing, it's the, the marketing takes, you know, as you know, getting the word out actually takes a lot more. And for me, and this is one of my goals actually for the next couple of months is I'm not a very good graphic designer. I use Canva very basically, but, you know, I can spend more time messing about with Canva to get a good podcast episode cover image than the entire podcast is taking because it's not I'm I'm not a graphic designer and yes I can outsource that and everything else but like you know with your videos and your course you know they're from you so they're very personalized and I want to be in a position where I can articulate my image put it into digital format graphical format that will encourage people to listen to the show I also send a daily email as we just talked about so it's a lot of work to put into it um, and I think time management is as well as a full-time job, of course, but time management is probably the biggest roadblock. Sometimes I just wish, you know what, I had a year's sabbatical from work um, or investment of some kind and just have 12 months 
to run at the ideas I have because I don't just have the juicing radio idea. There's a few other business ideas I have. Like I said, I've been in sales for you know almost 25 years. I've been in sales management for over 10. I would love to put out a sales management podcast, developing people, nurturing talent, identifying potential, um, developing salespeople to be fantastic sales leaders is something I'm extremely passionate about. I would love to put a podcast out on that, but I just you know visit, you know I just do not have the time to do it. So I would love to have a whole year where I could run out a few of these ideas and just see what sticks. But you know, maybe that will happen at some point. Maybe it will be, you know, time to leave New York. Um, because as you know, living in New York is just silly money. And to live here on your savings. And I I really take my hat off to any entrepreneurs who do that in New York because, you know, just, just just the price of a green juice in my local juice bar is almost ten bucks. You know, I mean it's it's not a you oh, before Christmas, you know it's not not a cheap place. No, it is not a cheap place. And and it's just funny. So many people are looking to get out of New York because of that, yet population doesn't seem to go down a whole lot. <laughs> well, if you're happy in your nine to five job and, and you're you know happy in your day job and everything else, then you know, New York, there's plenty of work here, there's lots of jobs here. You know, if you can put up with the twenty four seven noise, the traffic, the insanity of people walking along a pavement, or should I say sidewalk? Um you know, it's good. There's good money to be earned here. There's great restaurants here. There's lots of things to see and do. It's one of the best cities in the world. But once you've done a lot of those things, and if you want to start your own business, you know, I mean, the average rent here is, is got to be, you know, $4,000, $5,000 a month. I mean, just you've got to make that before you even think about putting food in your belly. It's, it's a lot of cash. That is. And, and yeah, I, I believe it. I mean, I know people that live in shoeboxes, studio apartments that are more than what I pay for my whole house and land here in South Jersey. So <laughs> incredible. But also, I also lived in San Francisco before I moved here. And that is also a very, very expensive city to live in. But, you know, sometimes you could turn that adversity into something good. I mean, I'm not sure if you are familiar with Airbnb, the travel company um, that are doing very well right now. And that idea came along because the two founders were basically, I think, sharing one room, sleeping on the floor. Um, and then they had the idea for Airbnb, which is now being valued in billions of dollars. And they had that idea because they were having to economize in, in the Bay Area. So, I mean, sometimes adversity can give you that killer idea that you can build your business on. No, I, I agree. And, and yeah, it's, it's the mother that was a necessity is the mother of all invention uh, or something like that. So <laughs> it's, it's tough um, for sure, especially living where you live. But hey. You know, soon you'll be you'll be making more money with your podcast and your your especially with your newsletter because you took the time to cultivate that. And I mean, you know, even when you had people uh, unsubscribe, that's actually a good thing for you because it probably costs. You know, it, usually that scales the you know your cost scales on how many people you have. So when people unsubscribe, it's like yeah, good because you know what, tomorrow I'll have ten more people and at least two or three of them are going to last more than thirty days. I would think. Yeah. And there's two points to make on that, if I may. I mean, first of all, I'm not conceited enough to think that every single person on my email list opens every single email. They will pick and choose. There'll be a headline that will intrigue them and think, oh, I want to read that. Others, they may not get to. And I understand that because I'm the same with my own inbox. Um, and the second point is you're absolutely right. And one of the things that about unsubscribes and one of the things I try and do in most of my emails is actually very often I'll ask people to unsubscribe. It's called repulsion marketing. I'll often say, hey, if, you're, if you don't like the tips in this newsletter or you don't like my take on something, feel free to hit the unsubscribe button below because I'd much rather they leave than, you know, a guy wrote to me this week, didn't like something in my email. It was this huge email he wrote me, and I just unsubscribed him because it wasn't about content on the show or quality or anything like that. It wasn't anything constructive, and I, I'm always open to constructive criticism. But I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to sit here and spend an hour writing this email back to you when I'm not going to convince you otherwise. I don't know why you're on my list if you feel this way. I'll just unsub you and move on. Wow. Well, you know, that, that takes a lot of uh, bravery as well just to – well, no, I don't know if bravery is the right word, but, but it takes a lot of something to be able to, to get to that point where you're just like, eh. You know, it's okay. It's not for everybody, and and that's okay. Because because a lot of times we take it, we try to take it personally, um, or don't want to, but we end up doing it anyway. And a lot of times that's because, again, if you're starting with a small list, if you're you're trying to cult cultivate that, so like, 
if you have 50 people and one person unsubscribes, it's like, oh no, I lost, uh, what is that? 2% of my list just went away. You know, that's, that's painful, especially, you know, cause this is something that we're supposed to be really passionate about and really care about, not just, oh, this is just, you know, something that I do and, you know, people follow me because I'm so awesome. It's, it really is a mindset change. And I, when I first started doing this, I would look at every single unsubscribe. I'd pull up their details in Aweber and I'd be like, oh, wow, they've been on the list for 18 months and they've left. And what did I say to make them leave? And, you know, am I doing something wrong? And now, of course, I take note of the unsubscribes because, <clears throat> excuse me, I never, if I see a huge spike, there's something I can learn from. But the, the, biggest tip I can give anyone out there who wants to get into this or is doing it right now is there is something in Aweber where if someone unsubscribes and leaves a comment, you can read that comment. And I would get to a point, right, Joe, where I'd read this comment saying, hey, you're, you're just hustling for money, for example, right? That could be one. Uh, or you're a fraud because this, that, and the other. And I would beat myself up over that one email and not look at the fact that 2,000 other people opened that email, read it, got something out of it, and opened tomorrow. But that one comment from an unsubscribe has upset me for the whole day. So what I actually did, and I urge everybody to do this, is I turned off the notifications of any you know, comments and complaints. So now I don't even read them. And that's not because I'm thick-headed or egocentric. It would just upset me, and, and it would affect my work and my mood. And I don't need that. There's enough things going on in the everyday world to, to get upset about. And I would just say, you know, if they've unsubscribed, cool, let them go. Yeah. Yeah, man, you know, I, I would be the same way. Uh, I, I still feel the same way. But then, you know, what you have to do is you have to turn to like, okay, well, I have all these other people that are clearly liking what I'm doing because they're opening my emails. They're reading it. The, you know, a percentage of them are clicking through. And to think, you know, if anybody thinks that, you know, you're doing this, oh, you, you know, because we're all just a bunch of hacks and, and, yeah. and wacky. It's like, dude, just put your own podcast together, please. Go do it. And try to build a, you know, build. I don't even want to say try because that almost sounds kind of um, not the nice way to say it. But like, go and put your own show together and and build your own list and do all that and and build it on your on your terms because yeah. it's not easy. It takes a, a a wealth of time and like you said, there's a there's a work life balance that we're all trying to fight through because and our spouses are fighting through and. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, wh why are we doing all this? We could just have a job. I mean, you have a great job and you work from home. <laughs> so, I mean, why we do this because we love it and because it means something to us, it not just because it's some money, monetary thing. It goes back, right? Like I said at the start of this conversation with you, Joe, you know, do some good, make money, have fun. If you can hit all those three areas, you're doing something very positive in this world. And and that's something that, that spurs me on. Listen, if I just wanted to make money, I would be sending out all sorts of email about all these wacky green powders or pills that will make you burn fat overnight. You know, you've seen the ads out there, you know, the machines you shove on your abs, you'll wake up like flipping Iron Man or Schwarzenegger. And I mean, I could be killing it. <clears throat> But I choose not to because I want to do some good. And I actually want to help people. And if I can get paid to help people, that's the key for me. So as a kid, what, what were you looking to do when you got older? Um, I wanted to be the next James Bond. <laughs> that was my dream. I was a huge James Bond fan. And I wanted to, to be in the Secret Service for sure. Um, then I think uh, when I grew up a bit and realized, hey, I could get killed doing that. And uh, <laughs> my family will never know what happened to me. And as far as my family are concerned, they, uh, you know, they think I'm a postman or a driver because I can't tell them I'm Britain's most secret best spy. Um, and then I actually decided that I wanted to be a journalist. Um, so I, at school, you know, um, when, I, when I say school, I mean, up until 16 years old, took the courses, you know, English literature, even typing on, this was quite funny, Joe, when, when I did typing class, it was a two year course. Um, and I was the only guy in the class, it was full of women, which sounds great now, but when you're 14, isn't the best. Was it all typewriters? <laughs> Are you that old? Old school. Yeah. Old school typewriter. <laughs> you have pencil to rub out. It was, it was hard work. So I, I do my two years, get my certificate. The following year, the school bought word processors. So all the boys are in that class on the word processors. I'm like, man, I just spent two years on this ancient typewriter. Um, I digress. But yeah, so I wanted to be a journalist. That that was kind of my ambition in life. Um, 
going going through my teens for sure. And look how the world turned out. Typing it was super important even before it was, you know, before it was only important to like secretaries and journalists. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's a good skill for us all to have. Yes, it is. Um, so okay. So with all that said, and it's it's funny how it all comes back around because like now you're typing every single day and you're yes. you're writing show notes for your you know for juicing radio and hopefully soon juicingpost.com. Yeah, hopefully by the time we're talking, we've got juicing post out. Um, and the the idea behind that is, sadly, you and I both know that more people read content than listen to it on podcasts. Oh, right? it's so horrible that people read every this book. <laughs> you know, you know what? Get this book and get the hell out of here. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so I recognize even my listeners. It's fascinating. You know, my my subscriber list. We have about. I want to say 9,000 subscribers now on our emails. And, you know, when I put out a podcast episode on a Thursday and say, hey, we got this episode, this is what you'll learn, et cetera, et cetera, we get so very few clicks that go across to the show. Now, it could be they're already subscribed through iTunes and whatever else, um, but I think it's because a lot of people are on that list just to read our tips and our coaching. So I figured that it would be a really good idea to have a focal point for people who are interested in inducing and smoothies and, and changing their lives for good where um, we can have the juicing post, where we can interview all the different gurus, all the success stories, uh, have a geek guide. We've got a um, good friend of ours who basically buys all these new juicing machines and evaluates them. I mean, Joe, this guy, Phil, he basically will make a juice. He'll use the same amount of ingredients on two different juices and measure the yield and how much you'll save a year if you buy one machine or another. I mean, you know, you may say that's taken to the extreme, but it, it's interesting when... You're going to buy a machine that you have someone who's prepared to do that for you. Um, so Juicing Post is going to be a hub of news, articles, opinions. Because what I see in the juicing world right now, you either have you know very standard juice recipe sites or you have guru sites. And guru sites, you know, they very rarely share other people's work um, because they want to obviously keep people in their tribe and buying their products and services and reading their stuff. So I'm hoping that Juicing Post... We'll get a lot of different juicing experts that will come in and contribute with articles. And uh, it'll be a place where people who are interested in juicing can come to every day to get juicing news. A daily serving, a fresh daily serving of juicing news. No, I, I love it. And I, and I love the fact that you're, you're so niched in, to, in, in, in tune with what is going on in juicing. Um, and a lot of times, and, and I, this is maybe a little off topic, but if you're interested in the whole podcasting content creation and stuff like that, it's really important uh, to, to niche down because a lot of times that's where the money is unless you're bringing an audience because you were on TV or somebody, you know, you already have like a huge following. You're going to make money niching down. Now this show is not that show, this show. I mean, it's niched, but it, it, it's not that niched, like specific to where I'd be like, okay, I can target very specific people to say, okay, I can deliver uh, 2000 emails to one, you know, or, you know, with your message inside of it. Uh, and plus the podcast episodes, the, you know, that go out, you know, how often do you do juicing radio? Is it once or twice a week? It's once a week, once a week. So, you know what I mean? Like there's, you know, if you're trying to find sponsors, like that's like, you really should be looking to niche down as much as you possibly can, because that's where the money's at. If not, you know, you do it for fun, do it because you love it and all that. But if you don't niche down, you, the, the the likelihood of getting sponsorship is is a lot less. Uh, there's a lot less opportunity there. I, I agree with you. I mean, sometimes I do feel the grass is greener on the other side when I see people that, you know, have a whole podcast on weight loss and they interview all the different experts of all the different disciplines and, and routes to losing weight. I sometimes think, ah, you know, they 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 have a stronger audience and they can probably get sponsors. But, you know, for instance, we have, we're very fortunate to have a sponsor right now, Champion Juicer. They, they, they make a juicer machine out in California. They've been around for 50 years. And they were very honest. They said, you know, we love your show because you have juicers listening in. We want to get our product in front of more people. They're not a Breville. They don't have the multi-million dollar budget that Breville has. They're you know, or some of the other players that are out there, but they, they really, they know that every single month they're going to get to 50,000 people, um, you know, each month through, through our podcast. If you listen to juicing radio, you're interested in juicing and that's the message. And if you have a product that you want to put in front of people who are juicing, you know, it's very tough to be, get that to be, you know, laser focused. Well, yeah. I mean, with juicing, if you had, um, if you had, you know, you put your juicer on, on that like weight loss podcast, 
you know, the only, okay, even if it's a million listeners, how many of those listeners are juicing already? And if they're not juicing, you have to educate them on juicing, which the show isn't really geared towards. It, it, you know, it, it becomes like this less than like one or two percent of the population of that million that are really going to be in tune and be like, hey, I love juicing. Let's get this juicer. Let's check them out. What are they all about? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm really pleased with that we did niche down. We didn't go broad, and I think that that's really important for people that are starting a podcast. You know, I see a lot of, and I use this word, and I don't mean it to be insulting to anybody, but a lot of copycat John Lee Dumases out there, Entrepreneur on Fire, because they see John making six figures every month. And think, yeah, I'm going to do a daily interview show with entrepreneurs. You know, but if you're thinking of that, think well, actually, what's your background? What's your interest? What motivates you? And interview people within that niche. So maybe you are someone who's more interested in financial trading. Then go interview people that have financial businesses and, and, and go down that niche because you are, as you said, Joe, you're likely to land a sponsor more that wants to get in front of people who are interested in finance and trading systems or whatever it may be. Or it could be, you know, you want to interview all the running coaches that are out there in the U.S., you know, because they're, they're all business people, all those running coaches, you know, they've got to make money, they've got to learn marketing and everything else. So I, I strongly feel that, you know, the, the niche is the way to go with podcasting and with most things online, because, you know, the good old days of being ranked number one for, you know, whatever it is on, on Google are long, long gone. Yeah, it, it is definitely tough to get your uh, to get your face in front of people on as far as Google goes. Unless they're specifically searching for you, unless you're in that niche where you can come up for keywords, you know, you can write target for those keywords to get, you know, your article. But then when they get there, what is that article telling them? If it tells them just what they're looking for, that's awesome. But then they look at the top and they say, well, this is a weight loss thing. And they wrote one article about juicing or maybe even five articles about juicing. All I'm really interested is in juicing. Okay, I can consume those five and then I'm probably out if I even get to the five. Versus, hey, this is a whole thing about juicing. I'm into juicing, I, or I want to get more into juicing. Boom! All of a sudden, like, there's more of a reason for me to stick there because I'm looking for that. You're you're absolutely right. The problem we have is we get a lot of baseball players emailing to us asking about juicing. <laughs> they think it's a different kind of juicing. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, well, baseball, uh, football, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much every sport. <laughs> you know, I'm joking. That's my dry British humor for you. But that it is, is amazing <laughs> when I tell people I do juicing radio. Some people do think it's the other kind of juicing, and I just look at them and go, "Really? I mean, there's niche and there's niche." But and I don't know what they're, sponsors. They're I'm looking getting. at you, and they're saying that you're into juicing. Well, you know, I'm jacked, right? I got big muscles, but I nah, <laughs> hardly, hardly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, people just, it's, it's funny. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but also, you know, what, what's important is pick a niche that you're passionate about. Don't, don't go, oh, I want to make money at podcasting, uh, weight loss. There's loads of people searching, like millions of people searching for weight loss every day on Google. I'm going to do a podcast on weight loss because I'll tell you something now, Joe, if I didn't have a personal interest and passion for juicing and, and health, I wouldn't be on almost 180 episodes of Juicing Radio. There's no way I'd put that level of work into something that I see as a chore and I don't truly believe in it. So I think that's also important with the niche is you've got to be passionate about it. Definitely. And that's one of the reasons why uh, I didn't start a Disney podcast out of the gate was because I loved, I mean, obviously I love Disney. Yeah. But I don't want to talk about Disney all the time. I want, like, I like, I would get bored with it. There's just not enough there for me to, and I'm not, I don't live down there. So it's not like I can go to the parks every day and be like, you know, let's talk about something else. Now with that said, there, there actually is a couple ideas that just popped into my mind that I'd be super interested in doing with Disney. And maybe I will actually, uh, think about doing something like that, but I'm going to go write them down right after we get done this <laughs> with, <laughs> so <laughs> I was about to ask this earlier, but with all with everything that you you've you've gotten done so far, what do your dreams for the future look like, Shane? Uh, quite honestly, I I want to have a podcast and an online business that allows me to live wherever I want, and that for me will be success. If I, I know my my wife to be is from Vermont, if we move to Vermont and I can work there. 
but mostly yeah not too keen on the winter there but i could go down to georgia or hawaii whatever else and still produce the material that for me is the dream that's the goal so the travel guru or sales guru it wants to travel that's a surprise surprise well not not so much travel but have the freedom to be able to travel i know here's my worry in life you know i see so many people that work their backsides off till they get to 65 retire and you know they're not always in good shape to enjoy their retirement and go travel because you know they have a litany of health issues or as we see now in the economy we're in, people not retiring till they're, you know, 73, 74, because they can't afford to. And I think, do I really want to work my ass off all all my life and then not be able to enjoy it at the end? So if I can somehow come up with some way where I can have, and I'm not talking about being a multimillionaire or anything here, Joe. I'm just talking enough money that, you know, I can pay my rent or my mortgage, put food in my belly, have enough money to go travel, give some money to some, you know, very deserving charities, make a good life for my wife. Um... You know, that, that's all I ask for. Um, but I want to be able to enjoy it when I'm in good health, you know, be able to travel around Asia or, you know, even visit every state in the U.S., which is a goal of mine. You know, I want to be able to do it now when I can really enjoy it, um, not retire and not be able to travel. It's a real fear of mine. Mm. No, I, I'd agree. And at some point, I'd like to be on that same path um, with, you know, I'd love where I live. I want to keep living where I want to live, but I want to be able to travel out. And uh, that's that's really... And it's it's good because you know travel. I mean, we could go in for hours on the benefits of traveling and and all that. Not just seeing things, but seeing people and having experiences that you couldn't have otherwise. So you know, there's plenty of benefits, and and I hope uh, to be in that that same boat at some point or plane, if you will. Uh, <laughs> well, especially with your daughter when she's a bit older, be able. I mean, my dad. I mean, when I grew up in England, my dad. He, we, I never went abroad, right? I never went into outside of the UK until I was 16, which is very, very late for a lot of Brits. Um, but my dad said to me, you're not going abroad, son, until you've seen all four countries, corners of your own country. Which, when you're 12 and your mates are going to Euro Disney in Paris or Spain or the south of France, and I'm going to Scarborough Beach in the north of England where it's probably raining and grey, ain't great. But I look back now and I think, you know, I'm glad my father made me love and learn about my own country first before going further afield. And I, and I think with you, Joe, you know, when, when your little girl is old enough, you know, taking her to places and, you know, getting her to have an understanding of the country she lives in and grows up and how every state is different. It's a great education. It's a great way of bringing children up, I feel. Yeah. You know, what's funny is when I was uh, growing up like 16, 17 to 18, you know, saying, Hey, I want to go, uh, to this place or that place. And, uh, you know, what, what if I went to Europe for a little while? And they were, you know, my, my dad and my grandparents were like, well, because remember terrorism was yeah. still pretty fresh in everyone's minds in like 2003, 2004, 2005. But point is, is they were like, well, you know, why would you want to go give your money to some other country? Why don't you travel to America? You know, travel, just plenty of places in America to go. And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess, but all the fun things that I want to do, like go to Ibiza and go to, you know, um, like I was it dream hack in, in yeah. was it Sweden or wherever it is in, in the middle of, you know, Europe, like that's not in America. <laughs> so, you know, those types of things it's like, all right, well, you, sometimes you just have to, uh, do that. Now, since then, I, I have traveled in quite a few of the States in, in America, there's still quite a few I need to get to, or at least travel through. But uh, but we'll we're, we'll get there. You will. And here's the thing. I mean, we haven't really touched on this in the, in the podcast. And we talk about dreaming as a kid growing up, um, and certainly in my teens and my early 20s, you know, my, my dream was to live and work in the United States. I was I'm a huge fan of your country. And um, as much as I'm proud to be British, it was always Yeah, I'd love to come and live and work here. And I remember back in the 90s, I had three months of comment working in New York City for a British company met this girl, kind of got serious, and we, we went to look into, you know, moving to the U.S. And, you know, your government was very honest with me, and they were like, Shane, you know, you might be a nice guy and all that, but you're just a sales guy, and we've got hundreds of thousands of those in the United States. So you don't have, you know, it's not like I knew some kind of IT coding that the country desperately needed. And so it was made very clear to me there was no route to coming and living in the United States. Um, and then, you know, 10 years, yeah, 10 years or so later, because I'd worked my backside off for, for the, the travel company I was with, 
I got offered a dream transfer to San Francisco to, to head up our sales operation there on the West Coast. And with that came a green card. So I was able to make that dream come true, something I, I never thought would happen. And now, you know, that was almost six years ago. I have a fiance here. I can say I have two greyhounds. I love living in the U.S. And, you know, at the end of this year, actually in November, I can apply for citizenship and I can still be retain my British citizenship and also be American which is fantastic. So, you know, really living the dream. Um, and in terms of the U.S., you know, some Europeans, and I, I will admit I used to be one of these people, would laugh at Americans who didn't have a passport, who had never left the U.S. You're like, wow, that's crazy, right? Because, I mean, they haven't even been to Europe or gone abroad. But now I live here and I see that, you know, my favorite state so far is New Mexico. I mean, the beauty of that state is incredible. Those open skies, that landscape, but if I was into surfing and diving, you know, I can go to Hawaii. If I'm into skiing, I can go to Colorado. I mean, the United States has everything that anybody would want. I guess the one thing that's really lacking is, you know, like my school building was built in 1660. There's not many places in the U.S. that were around at that time. So in terms of heritage and architecture and history and everything else, of course, there's a lot more in other parts of the world. But the U.S. has so much to offer, and every day... I'm not religious, but I, I, I thank someone up there that allows me to, to live here and, uh, you know, in the United States. Well, I'm so happy that you have an appreciation for, for our country and uh, so happy that you're going to be uh, an American citizen at some point. That's awesome. Yeah, the sad thing is I do it just after uh, the election because it would have been nice to have got that and been able to, to vote in an American presidential election would have been a lot of fun, but I'm going to miss it literally by a couple of weeks. Nah, so. It's okay because you know what? You'll, you'll still be here four years from now. You'll, you'll still be voting. Yeah, exactly. But it's, you kind of get a kick out of doing that. You really feel you've arrived when you can vote in a foreign country. I, yeah, I, w I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. I would never be that. It's hard to even fathom going forward to like another country and just being like, oh, yeah, I, I can vote in their their election. Like I get a say um, for whatever yep. the, that say is worth. Uh, I get a say <laughs> in, in what uh, in what matters and what happens here because I live here and I'm part of, you know, I'm part of the club. Uh, yeah, and without getting into politics, I mean, that's what frustrates me when I meet people who just have no interest in voting. I'm like, really? You know, even if you just go and spoil your ballot paper, you know, be part of the process. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, 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 uh, I agree. I don't get to vote for, I don't go out and vote for everything, but you know, there's, there's big, the big ones I, uh, get out for. It's sometimes it's tough, but, but part of the, you know, part of having the freedom of being able to work from home and stuff like that's part of one of the things that I'm looking for looking forward to going forward is to be able to participate in stuff like that and maybe and hopefully even participate in my local government you know like my township stuff because i don't have to run off to work first thing in the morning or uh you know it's it's at a time where it's like well i would just be getting home and i'd have to eat dinner and all that stuff so yeah all that is wonderful and uh super exciting stuff so we're, we're <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to talking to you uh, the day around the days that you you get your citizenship and yeah, the pictures. Yeah, sure. There will be photos all over Facebook. I have to bone up on my American history, which will be interesting because um, something happened here. There's some war of independence. I don't understand what that was about, but you know. Well, just remember, it took a long time for the British to get the heck out of here before, <laughs> even after uh, <clears throat> after we we declared absolutely we, we, it was over, but. Um, all right. So before we, we wrap up and tell everybody how they can connect you, connect with you and go to juicingradio.com, is there any last thoughts you'd like to share? Well, first of all, now you've just put me under the gun because we're, we're doing this interview a wee bit in advance, which shows that Joe has really got his time management down to a fine art. Um, we've announced juicingpost.com. So now we've, I've got to deliver on it. Because I can't have people listening to this. <laughs> I went a juicing post. I got a 404. I got a really rubbish website with no content. What's this guy on about? So now you, my parting thought is, you know, I've got to work really hard to get that out, which is great, right? <laughs> you just need a bit of fire at the backside now and again. You know, hey, if we don't give ourselves uh, limitations, sometimes we we don't get, we don't know how to get creative to make those things happen, and. 
as much as limitations kind of suck, they, they, they're good. So you're limited and, and you got about two to three months worth of time yeah. to, to get this, get this going. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in, uh, <laughs> I'm confident in you and your team, Shane, well, to make this happen. It goes back to what we started off saying, you know, guys, when you if you go to the site, it might not look perfect. It might not be the way I want it, but there will be something up and we'll amend it. I will learn from the readers and the listeners and tweak it and get it to a position where, you know, it is perfect. But I could sit here for two years and plot and plan it and not put anything out. So it's that whole procrastination thing. Um, so, you know, it, it does go back to that message. Just get something out there. It's never going to be 100% perfect, but then work to, re, you know, listen to your viewers or your, your listeners and, and really improve it. And, and what I would say to anybody out there who's podcasting um, or about to podcast, I think the best advice I can give you is to listen to as many podcasts as you can, not necessarily in your niche. And just, you know, yes, do the, the, the two-part um you know, quality assurance, if you will, of were you educated and were you entertained, but really listen to their questions. And when you hear a question, you know, sometimes think, oh, that's a superb question. I need to ask that. And it might even be in a different area. You might need to reword it, you know, and also take note of the, the, the podcasters who and how they listen and how they respond. You know, don't don't worry about the fact you're going to say a lot of ums and ahs. I still do it. I still say a lot of you knows and things like that. But what's key is that you keep it conversational and you really listen to your guest. And I work in sales. I'm, I'm a sales director. I have a sales force here in the U.S. And I always say to my guys, listen, you know, basically listen. You have to listen to what your prospect is saying. If you don't, you're never going to sell anything because it's so important in life that we – we don't just put lip service to that, but we effectively listen. And I think when you're doing a podcast, that's really key because you never know what, you know, good um, information a guest is going to drop. Maybe something you know nothing about that just comes out in a show uh, that, and that can really change, you know, the whole content of your output for that particular episode. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, listening is is more than 50% of the battle. I, honestly, I, I think as an interviewer, uh, it's closer to 90% of the battle making that make, you know making sure that you listen for everything that they're saying so you can pick up on like little things and create questions as on the fly because uh, if you don't listen and, and look I'm I'm guilty of this too and and I, and I, I I don't know if you've had this happen but you know I've wandered I've been like oh yeah I'm like especially I'm on video right now so I would never ever do that on video but but off video like yeah just go check this out you know and then all of a sudden it's like you're not listening and then they start they start to get away from you and it can be really tough to to, to bring it back in because at that point you're like well i'm bored but then even when you listen back you're like well that didn't sound as bad as it sounded to me in my ears but i wanted to sound better and i want to be more engaged and i want to put my phone on not just silent but like you know i don't want to see any notifications you know your computer any notifications i don't want to have any web browsers open because it's just like eh, let me just let me just let me just see what's going on on facebook world yeah and here's something that you can get out of it if you if you ever your mind wanders and you lose your train of thought or even if you freeze up on a question and this is something that i've done in my whole sales career and this changed my my uh my whole career um is there's one really important question you can ask. And you know what? This works basically, I think, for, for any situation, both privately and professionally and certainly on podcasts. And that question is, how do you mean? And it's a very simple question. And if you're stuck and you haven't quite heard this person, you say, well, how do you mean exactly? Well, what I'm saying, Joe, is if you ask this question, they will come back to you and they'll give you, you know, they'll go another layer deeper. And at that time, you get a chance to recover. Oh, yeah, that's what they were saying. Or if you generally don't understand what they're talking about, how do you mean? You know, you're breaking it down. You're breaking that language down. So they have to explain it more. And I do that in sales a lot. When someone says to me, hey, that's too expensive. I'll say, well, how do you mean? Well, the guy around the corner is selling it for $100 cheaper. Okay, and what exactly is he saying? And you get into that hole. You get into the real objection. And this isn't a sales training call or podcast, but... How do you mean you get to the root of the problem or whatever they're trying to discuss? It's a very, very powerful technique. It's an extremely potent question. I, you know, I, I'm only laugh, and it, it is, it is a very good question. Um, and and I know that my 
my dad being a, a, a salesman since he was um, very young uh, would always ask, not that we're trying to get down that road, but like, you know, what do you think? You know, that kind of thing. Like, yeah. get, you know, get them talking because if they're talking, then, then you're, then you're listening, then you can pull out more questions and at least you can create, you can spark a conversation where there was nothing before, especially if you're just like, Oh, that's nice. Like if they're real short with you, um, How'd you... I'm sorry. Oh, how do I mean? <laughs> so, you know, I, I laugh because because like I'll send out uh, like a text message to someone and they'll be like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I wrote like four sentences in this in this text message, breaking it down, like everything that I'm like that's happening down. And then they'll be like, what What do you mean? Well, written form is a bit different, I think, from it does. Know. It drives me crazy. It, yeah. It's like, what do you mean? What do I mean? Reread it. Like, if you didn't understand it, you need to reread it. But yeah, you know, when you're having a conversation, yes, asking those types of questions uh, definitely can refocus you and um, focus you know even your even your audience and and listening. Uh, you know, in case you know if you didn't get it, maybe they didn't get it either. And and unlike text messages or written word, you, you can't just be like, oh, let me just hit the re rewind button and play it back again in real life. Yeah, and I mean, you know, sometimes you'd interview someone, they'll come up with a scientific word, or, you know, never be stupid, you know, never, never feel stupid if you don't know what they mean. And that's why I love the word, if they, if they, if they talk about, you know, the powers of chlorophyll and phytonutrients. I say, well, how do you mean? They say, well, you know, the sun gives the green to the plant, and oh, okay, bang. Rather than saying, what do you mean? Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a good way of getting to it. Shane, I would love for you to share how people can connect with you, like the wonderful website, juicingpost.com. So juicingpost.com should be available, um, depending on how quick Bluehost sort their stuff out, but that's a whole other subject. Uh, and also that the site that of the podcast is juicingradio.com. And if you're intrigued by some of the emails I send out, whether you're interested in juicing or not, you, know, you can sign up and then unsubscribe once you've got a couple. If you're interested in that kind of thing is uh, juicingradio.com. Also on Facebook as Juicing Radio, Twitter as Juicing Radio, Instagram is Juicing Radio, um, all those places you, you can find out uh, what we're up to. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I will have those in the show notes. And I am, again, confident that juicingpost.com will be available by the time this goes out. Brilliant stuff. Thanks, Joe. And thanks to all the listeners for taking time to, uh, to listen to your show today. Well, thank you. And I really appreciate you taking the time, Shane, and would love to have you on, especially after, you know, even if it's just for a quick follow up to get your feelings on becoming a U.S. citizen, dual citizenship uh, is a wonderful thing. I agree. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Shane. Cheers. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dreamers podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.